0: My name is Doug Wayne, and I'm here to inspire you to go bigger with your dreams and goals so you can give bigger with your profits.
1: Welcome to the Go Big to Give Big podcast, where we are challenging six-figure earners to become seven-figure givers. My name is Randy Mullen, and each week, my co-host, Steve Arneson, and I are interviewing successful entrepreneurs, professional athletes, philanthropists, and other high-performing humans that are inspiring us with their stories we go deep into uncovering how they have become successful and why generosity is an impact they want to leave on this world. Our mission is to have you leave this podcast wanting to go bigger with your dreams and goals so that you can give bigger with your profits. Let's not waste any more time and jump right into it. All right, welcome back to another episode. And you may not know today's guest, but you will probably seen some of his products around. Doug Wing and his family created the company called Little Giant Ladders, and those are the ladders that you can like fold in half and extend, and often use in like awkward positions to paint or do something. Yeah, they're the ones that created those. And not only did they create an incredible product, they went on to go do over two hundred million dollars a year in revenue and create some of the best company culture that you have ever seen doug comes on today and shares a lot of stories around how his dad created a lot of the framework and groundwork for him and his family to have the success that they've had and also how he uses that now to build his personal brand today Doug is a big philanthropist and he's doing incredible things for the communities like speaking in schools and giving away books and sitting on boards of nonprofits. and I truly hope that you enjoy listening to some of the incredible stories that he shares with Steve and I today and I cannot wait to get it out to you. So without further ado, here is our interview with Doug Wing. All right, I'm excited to welcome today's guest, Doug Wing, to the show. Doug, thanks so much for joining us hey welcome Uh, thank you very much thank you for um, having me on your show i'm excited yeah i'm really excited for this and uh if people don't know you you know your family created this little company called little giant ladders which is uh super well known uh i think i've used them a hundred times from the trade industry and things like that and uh you know you guys took such a simple product but made such a big name for it and i'd love for you to just kind of walk us through a little bit of you know how did I know your dad came up the 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 original culture and the company and the idea and stuff, and you stepped in to continue to grow it. But how did you, as a family, come up with this idea to take such a simple concept of a ladder and turn it into such a giant organization, more than just a ladder company? That's a great question.
0: A lot I get asked that a lot. But we were living actually in Germany. Uh, my dad was a great sales sales guy salesman. And he was working for. He was working for a life insurance company. He had in Salt Lake City, Utah. And my dad was bilingual. He spoke German and English. We moved to Germany. My dad was selling uh, life insurance mostly to U.S. military people, and he had a partner that was selling insurance with him. He ran across the kind of the raw prototype of the little giant ladder in Germany. This was kind of around the Stuttgart area and he got real excited about it. He came to my dad and he says, hey Hal, um, I found this really cool ladder, you need to see it. My dad's like, hey Richard, we're selling insurance. He wasn't really that interested at first but his partner kept um, bugging him about it and said, hey, we got to see this ladder. So, they went and met the inventor of the, the 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 original little giant, his name was Walter. He was a German house painter and my dad just fell in love with it, saw this huge potential. Quit the insurance business, began um, buying ladders, uh, containers full of ladders from this German guy Walter, and eventually um, developed. My dad was so good at relationships; he developed a real good relationship with Walter. Ended up buying, you know, containers full of those ladders and selling them at trade shows and fairs. Eventually, he was able to get a licensing agreement to build them in in America, and then when the patents ran out my dad actually redesigned repatented them and we started producing them and under you know obviously little giant and
1: the rest is history that that's how the the whole thing started that's so incredible and um i'm excited to dive into a lot of the the culture and the way that your dad presented himself and the way he built his business and things like that and i think you know, something I heard you say on a, a different podcast was, you know, your dad built people, not ladders. And I just thought that was really cool because again, you've, you've taken such a simple product and pretty sure you're sharing with us that it was, you know, not so much about the ladders, but it was the people that, uh, you know, got connected to the brand that just fell in love with it and wanted to stay there for life. What was it that, uh, you know, the knack was or the specialty was for your dad that he gave to people that wanted them to stay in and how did he care so much about the humans that were working for him?
0: Yeah, he was really unique in that way, but um, he was a, he had a huge heart, um, just such a good guy and really truly cared about people. Um, one thing that was really unique about my dad is most bosses, as you know, you you know most people that you've worked for, They come in the front door, they walk right through past the front desk and they go in their uh, office and close the door and they're usually in their office the whole day in meetings, on the phone, whatever. Al Wing actually went through the back door, would walk back and talk, stop and talk and he knew every person in manufacturing, in the office, in sales, Um, he knew every person by name and um he would knew something about them he would stop and talk to them he knew about their kids what they were going through if they had an illness or whatever and so he would do this every day he would come through the back door um park his car stop and talk and stop and talk and visit with each person and just doing that right there showed how much he cared for the people and so he knew his people he knew everything about them he was an incredible example to me and my brother and as we took over the company, you know, that's not easy. I mean, we had 400 people working for us to try to remember everybody's name and a little bit of something about him but my dad was so good at that, just showing that genuine interest in him and then as we built the company, he would um, do some very unique things like the parties that we had. Um, one thing that was really, really unique at Little Giant was every employee we had would get their birthday off with pay every year. And um, we would actually sign the management team at Little Giant would sign personally sign a birthday card to every employee with a little note on it and and we would all sign these and hand them out and give them to them. And so just doing those little things showing that you know, you do care about them made a big
1: deal, a big difference in the, in the way that you know we treated people. That is. So rad, I love that. Steve and I are very personal touch type guys. We love that kind of thing. We work with uh real estate investors quite often and we found that something as simple as a signed card, a video message, because it's a little bit new technology these days, but a video message to them on their birthday, things like that make all the difference. But I want to quickly dive in here too. You brought something up here of you and your brother, you know, started taking over the company. And um I, I'm sure it's it's very cool to talk about, you know, how your dad built this incredible company and stuff. But I got to assume along the way, there was a little bit of pressure for you and your brother when you came in to take over the company to be like, how do we continue to maintain the reputation to continue to grow something that's already so well known? You know, when you stepped in, what were some of the, the thought processes that you and your brother had to go through to continue to do that and some of the pressure that you faced? Well, one of the things that really helped us is as we grew into the
0: company, again, I started working there when I was 10 years old. My brother was 12. Um, my dad was so smart. He had us start at the bottom of the company, obviously. I mean, we were sweeping, you know, the warehouse, we were cleaning toilets, we learned every step of the manufacturing process. My dad was so smart. He had us learn every aspect of the company. And so when it came time to take over the business, uh, we were very well um, trained and equipped to do that, um, and so he was such a good mentor to us. Uh, you know, there was no um, there was no freebies with him. Uh, he said, "Hey, if your name is Wing, you got to work twice as hard as everybody else." <laughs> so he really um, led by example and um, taught us. Okay, you know, he didn't just hand everything to us, and so there was a there was a process that for years and years. I mean, I worked there from ten to forty five. Uh, no, till I was 55 years old and retired so you think about how long I was there but we we learned the processes and you know, we had to you know, put our dues in and, and I was so grateful. There were times I was a teenager and I was just building ladders every summer and I didn't like it but I was so grateful that my dad had us do all these things because it really number one, it taught us everything about the company and the products, why we did certain things. So, when we were in front of customers, they're like, why do you put this rivet here? Why do you do that weld here? We knew exactly what to say and why we did things but then also it gave us an appreciation for our employees who were there for years and years but all this time into helping us be successful and so, I think that really helped um, put us on the right direction and as we again learned more and more about the business and got more responsibility, it was very easy when uh, my dad passed away very um, abruptly. Uh, 12 years ago of a heart heart issues and so we were prepared and we knew our business we knew our customers to take that over and yeah it was kind of scary you know a little bit but we were re- very well groomed and prepared by my father to do this
2: yeah it sounds like a doug and from my own experience and from watching other companies and and um, you know talking to other CEOs and leaders of businesses, The one common denominator that I've always seen, uh, from successful businesses is build people, not products, And, uh, having like a strong, um, company culture where people want to come to work every single day and, uh, and have that opportunity to learn and grow. Um, one, I'm sorry to hear about your dad, you know, that passes suddenly. That's, that's never fun. Um, as you had to step in, to kind of take over the business and and take it to the next levels, did you find that there was uh you know an emotional pressure to kind of fill his footsteps at all or what was that um you know stage of your life in the business like
0: uh that's a great question but no not really for me i because i knew my dad was only five foot seven but he was a giant of a man <laughs> there's no there was only one how wing and so I think uh, it was it, it's okay to be yourself, right? And you take those core principles and of leadership and the things that Halloween taught you, for example, my dad would come into the sales meetings and he he would tell everybody this in the company but mostly the salespeople, he would say, you can tell the customer anything you want to as long as it's the truth and so we have these core values of, hey, you know what, we're always going to sell with truth, and integrity, um, we're going to be ethical, honest. So, we had these core principles and values Where also another big thing was quality. Little Giant was always, we were always known as the highest quality product. And so that's one thing my dad would never, um, he would never cut corners on. He would say every ladder that goes out of this building has my name on it and it's got to be the finest. And by doing that, we were so well known for our quality and with our sales guys telling the truth and treating people, you know, um, the right way. We built this amazing company and our customers loved us and trusted us. We helped them to be safer and um, we stayed out of, you know, the courtroom because we always built more quality products, even higher quality than we needed to a lot of times to keep
1: people safer and we did it, you know, the right way. Just operating in full integrity and I love that about your family. Um, On the as we continue this journey, you've obviously taken over the company now, and, and you're starting to think about, you know, what's what's the next move? How do we make more revenue here? How do we add new products? How do we continue to uh, expand this business instead of just letting it operate where it is? Did you have some ideas of your own going up through this, where you're like, hey, we should you know, reach out to these new revenues or create these new revenue streams? How involved were you in wanting to expand the business and come up with some new ideas and if so what were some of those ideas that you brought to the company that you saw areas where it was like hey let's not just build ladders let's go do something a little bit more uh to bring in some different revenues which by the way you guys got to almost i think 200 million dollars annually in revenue which is absolutely incredible congratulations
0: yeah and you know the thing that i'm most proud of and the thing that how wing taught of us which was incredible was it doesn't really matter who comes up with the ideas um, and I'm not the smartest guy in the world. I was really good at relationships. Uh, I, I did a lot of sales and I was good at that but we we had some incredible people at the company. One of them, one of the cool stories about Little Giant is we had a gentleman named Ryan Moss that came in right outside of high school, no college degree, started working for us, ended up working his way up into um, a position of you know running manufacturing and eventually, um, you know, my dad, and think about this, there's my brother and I, eventually Ryan Moss worked his way up through innovations. He, My dad saw that this guy was really bright. He had some really good ideas. Um, and so, Ryan Moss was a guy that was one of the big minds behind all of the innovations that came up at Little Giant. We actually, Little Giant has more patents than any ladder company. I think all of them combined because we spent all this money and what happened was is, Little Giants patents on that original ladder eventually ran out. We had all these competitors that came in at half the price out of China, and we had to go with the in. We went with an infomercial, which really saved the company. And um, once that happened, and we had all that success with the infomercial, we learned from that mistake of not innovating and our patents running out. And we took the money, a lot of the money that we made from the infomercial, invested it into new products. We were able to go into different verticals. We invented a new fiberglass that was half as light as other companies and we went into the cable and telecom markets and then expanded to the construction and industrial markets but all of that came because of Ryan Moss and so Hal had this unique uh, ability to see Ryan Moss, his talents brought him up and Ryan Moss is the CEO of the company today. Wow. Imagine that, a guy coming up in, through manufacturing, no college degree but he's a super smart guy, he's super creative. Al saw this amazing talent in Ryan and brought him up, groomed him and even it was pretty interesting because Ryan's like the CEO of the company. My brother and I own, you know, after my dad passed, we were the majority shareholders and so, it was a very unique way the company was operated. We were on the board of directors obviously, my brother was chairman, I was vice chairman and so, here we have Ryan, you know, as the CEO and we're the owners and it was really funny because Ryan when he... When my dad passed away, Ryan was like, "Hey, do I need to start looking for another job?" And my brother and I are like, "Why? You know, you're, you know, you're an awesome member of the management team. You're, you're doing great." And so, it was really interesting how the company ran, but it ran well that way. And um, we all knew about what our strengths were and what we weren't good at. The other person was good at, and so it, it worked out really well. I love those Cinderella stories. Yeah, he, Hal Wing had this ability to. Again see people not in their current situation but their potential he, he was so good at seeing where people could fit on the bus right the, the the square peg the round peg you know the round hole he was so good at placing people and seeing what they were good at he was really um, gifted that way and, and then he built you know he helped mentor people and grow like crazy and 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 obviously it helped the company grow as well so
2: it was really neat to be able to watch that mm-hmm So take us full story here, um, or first full circle. Uh, You've had an exit from that company, from your, uh, I don't know if that's you as an individual or like you sold the entire company and and kind of walked away, but can you walk us through maybe a little bit of that aspect on things? Because I don't think we've actually had a guest on our show who's talked about exiting a company. We've talked a lot about building a company and the scalability of it, but what's it been like flipping that coin to one, let go of your family baby, but like some of the mechanics of... Um, you know, the exit itself. Mm -hmm.
0: That's a good question. A lot of people say, why did you guys sell the business? And really, the first person that that starts the company that creates it, you know, has... My dad could never sell the business because he did once and it was a big mistake and he got it back, but, you Mm. know, it's kind of his baby. And then my brother and I, we took it and, and grew it with the help of our employees. Of course, we couldn't do it by ourselves. But there's always, you know, this funny little... Story about the third generation: the first one builds it, the second one takes it and makes it bigger, and the third one destroys it. <laughs> so mm-hmm. and I, we both have you know sons uh, that kind of dabbled in the business here and there, but they just didn't have the same uh, experience that we did. They didn't have the you know they just I don't know we're living in a different time now, yeah. and um, they just didn't really get into it, and so there really wasn't a future in the family as far as keeping the company in the wing name and so uh, my brother and I you know obviously decided okay we've been there for you know a long time mm-hmm. and we're going to do a, you know we're going to eventually sell the business which we did um and and we we you know tried to sell it to a company that we thought would be a good fit that would kind of keep a lot of the traditional values you know and um and so you know it's it's hard because it is your company you know and you've been there your whole life and letting go is not easy but there came a time where we were like, okay, we're going to have to do something different and so we did make the decision to to sell. I'm totally out of the company now, my brother is still there. Um, he'll be there probably for another uh, two or three years um, but eventually he'll he'll be gone as well.
2: What was one of the biggest things that you learned through the process?
0: Uh, I honestly, I couldn't, I didn't want to be there and you know, I could have stayed on for five, four or five years, but I, I kind of knew what would happen eventually. You know, there of course there's going to be changes. A new company comes in, and 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 I just didn't want to see a lot of that. Um, many of the employees, I was just there last week, um, uh, you know, as to do some other business. I have other businesses in Utah, but you know, some people are gone, and and but s- quite a few are still there. But I, you know, there's definitely going to be changes, and th- some sometimes looking at some of those changes are are hard but they also are growing the business and um you know trying to to build it even bigger so um but it's just not the same you know as it was before and you can't expect it to be the same I think that for me was the hardest part would be if I was to stay there for four or five years and help transition just seeing the changes would be you know cuz it was just near and dear to your heart
2: mhm so I wish I can totally imagine like, uh, Randy and I have talked about selling our businesses and it's like, oh, damn, these are our babies. Like we don't want to let them go. And we, you know, who knows what they're going to grow on into. Like if, you know, we let them go and like new quote unquote parents take over, like what's going to happen next kind of thing rather just be either all in or like you are all out kind of thing. Um, and, and, something that fairly focused on a lot is in personal conversations, is actually opportunity cost, right? So if you did stay in for those extra five years, Um, that would cost you what you're doing now, right? What
0: are you doing now? Yeah, so one of the things that I actually got into before um, exiting Little Giant was I started one of my good friends um, does multifamily housing. So, I went through a kind of a painful divorce Mm -hmm. uh, a few years ago where I was married for a long time. I didn't have a prenup because I didn't have anything and so I ended up losing, you know, quite a bit of my 401k retirement thing. And one of my friends came to me who was really involved in multifamily housing. he's Like, hey, you you only have like 20% of your retirement left and you've still got some time, obviously. But he said, You may want to consider getting involved in real estate. And they did a bunch of multifamily housing. They have a property management company. He was always very successful. So before I left Little Giant, I ended up purchasing probably about 10 or 11 properties of my own and they would manage them for me since they had a property management company and it was very, very good income. So I'd already gotten involved in that and then when I ended up selling Little Giant, my part of Little Giant, we actually started a new company um, with my my friend and another, uh, another partner and we... So I own a third of this company now that... Um, we have a bunch of multi-family housing and for our property management company. We we also have some other businesses. Um, we have an axe-throwing business, we have an escape keep business, we have a restaurant. So, I, I've gone from building ladders to doing all these other things and but it's been great for me, you know, as far as they're they're younger than I am, they're doing, you know, most of the day-to-day operations. I'm just an investment but I'm a third partner and but it's been great for me, you know, as far as um, help me Helping me to retire. Um, And so I've been doing that. And then um, I have a really good friend that has written uh, 17, 18 books. And I was talking to him one day and telling him stories about the company. And he said, If you write a book about your dad and Little Giant, I promise you it'll be a best selling book. I laughed at him. (laughs) He said, This is no joke. So I ended up writing a book and it became a a bestseller on Amazon. And I was shocked and he said, I told
1: you. <laughs> but, um,
0: and then I uh, I was having dinner with um, Mark Victor Hansen who lives in Scottsdale, Arizona. He's the co-creator of Chicken Soup for the Soul with Jack mm. and I had dinner with him and, and he saw my book and we started talking about stories and he said over dinner, he said, I want to sign you to a publishing contract, three-year publishing contract to write more books with me and I was like what are we going to write you know because I had done this one book and and he said "I, you have great stories, uh, people need these positive stories uh, coming out of COVID and he said I'd like to write a series of fiction books using your stories and he said "Fiction's doing really well right now, they'll be short books but very positive um, giving people hope and I wrote another book called The Giver and it became and Mark told me this is going to be a number one best selling book and I laughed at him and I did it with him and it became a number one selling best selling book again now I'm working on the third one uh the second one with him so I learned the thing that's unique too and kind of really cool is that I came out of manufacturing and sales and doing ladders and and then I learned a new skill and and so and then after the books I started doing a lot of podcasts and I speak at schools now and businesses, and it's been a it's been really fun to do this. And I can kind of do as much as I want. Um, I had a guy named Steve Rizzo. I was on his show. He actually had a Showtime special, and after the show, he said, "Hey, wait, wait till the show's over and stay with me." And he said, "Why aren't you speaking in front of Fortune 100 and Fortune 500 companies?" He goes, "You could, you could do so well doing this." And I said, "Steve, I, I don't know if I want to do that. I mean, I've." flown 1.7 million miles on Delta Airlines. I don't know if I want to go on the road doing this again. I wouldn't mind doing it once or twice a month and that's kind of what I do right now." And he's like, you could do so well at these big companies talking about these things and and so, I have options but I'm, I'm having a lot of fun right now doing
2: what I'm doing and and um, that's awesome. The moral, the, the moral of the story that I heard out of that was any idea that we can bring you that makes you laugh is going to be successful. <laughs> yeah,
0: and it was like I said, it's been a lot of fun these last few years. I'm learning new things. And, you know, a lot of people say, hey, if you there's a lot of figures out there that when people retire, if they don't do anything, that within five years, people die of retirement. And so mm. I'm really grateful that I've been able to do all these things. Um, my buddy Jeffrey Gittimer, who again wrote all those books, he said, You think you're gonna just play golf all day? There's no way. He goes, You need to stay busy. And he and he's the one that got me to do the books and and so it's been really fun.
1: That's incredible. Um, I'd love to um, move up into the giving side now. Obviously, you've you've had super success, you've exited, you've had a lot of fun in these new adventures you've got going on, but I also know you have a giant heart. Obviously, growing up underneath your dad, uh, that's probably something that's just part of what you were um, just brought up with. So um, that was one of the questions I kind of wanted to ask was like, what kind of um, principles did your dad instill in you to make you want to become or take on some more giving principles in your life? For context, you know a lot of parents say all the times like, "I, you know, I, I've had some success, but I don't know how to teach my kids how to give back." Like I kind of give them everything in life, but then they don't know how to give to others. What principles were you delivered with that allowed you to want to give more now?
0: Well, my dad grew up on a farm, which was is- he worked really hard, and my it was really interesting because my grandpa was a uh, he was a foreman on the railroad. That was his full time job, and in his spare time, the guy farmed eleven acres. Okay, now that's a lot of land. Okay, he did this in his spare time. He must have got up real early in the morning and worked all day. I mean, he had to irrigate, plant, he grew all these vegetables, and um, one thing I learned growing up is that my grandpa would go around when he and, uh, when all his fruits and vegetables were in harvest, he would go around every night and give fruits and vegetables, corn, potatoes, you know, all of these things. He would go around to widows in Springville, Utah and give them um, produce. So my grandpa was a great example. My grandmother, um, who was uh, unbelievable, she had this little lady that lived next door to her that was crippled and she would go over there at night after she had been working, helping my grandpa, you know, taking care of her four or five kids. She would go over every night and um, help this lady, bathe her, get her dressed and put her to bed. And so, I had these incredible grandparents who obviously taught my dad to um, learn to, you know, give back in service and help people. And so, I think that's where my dad really got his generous heart was from his parents and my mom grew up in Germany during World War II and their house got half blown away um, from a U.S. Uh, bomb that came and you know blew their half their house away and they were in bunkers all the time. My mom and her sisters would go around and beg for food uh, every day you know just for uh, potato or whatever they could and they would make soup out of a broth and they had six kids and they would share all that but I think I had these incredible parents that were just huge givers and were such good examples to me. Um, My dad was just incredible and what was really incredible about my parents was that they did a lot of this anonymously and I didn't know about a lot of these things until I wrote this book. I interviewed 39 people and I learned that my parents were just huge givers and most of the stuff they did was you didn't know about. And so, these stories came out incredible stories after they died uh, and and it was just really, really cool. You know, for example, there, there was a guy that was one of my dad's best friends. He moved from the East Coast to the West Coast, um, hired a moving company. You know, they had a 53-foot semi-trailer. It was a professional moving company. And in the move, the truck and trailer caught on fire and all of his stuff was burned. Um, And he told me, he said, the very first person who helped me was your dad. He said, of course, I had insurance. But he goes, everything I had, my clothes, my furniture was gone. It was lost. And I had to file all these claims. I didn't have anything. And he said, your dad was the first person that found out that sent me money. But he said, what was really incredible was later I learned Little Giant was not doing well. And he goes, your dad had to borrow the money to help me. Now, wow. that's a cool story because my dad was so committed to helping people that he went and borrowed money to help his friend Earhart. That's incredible. Pretty cool story, yeah. Uh,
2: now, what, what, yeah, go s- ahead. I was just going to ask, like, what, what's, what are your favorite ways to give now? Well, um,
0: one of the things that my dad was obviously he helped with his money but he also helped uh with you know time and went and served people and did things and um he he my dad always knew when somebody needed him it was kind of really cool how he did that but um so as i grew up with my father um i got involved with some of the uh charities that he did um and um one of my favorite ones i just came back from utah we just did their annual uh, fundraising gala in Salt Lake. It's a group called American Indian Services, which is Native Americans. And what we do is we help these young natives get off the reservations and provide scholarships so that they can become doctors and nurses and lawyers. And um, we raise a bunch of money to to help them get educated um, and get off these reservations where they're, you know, they're given a lot of things and they don't really have to do much. I just came back from this um, fundraiser in Salt Lake, and it was really, really cool. It was ex- really successful again this year. I actually am big time into cars, and I don't like to tube my own horn, but this year I donated two of my vehicles, classic vehicles, and mm-hmm. we were able to auction those off. And you um, just got to ask what they were. I'm a car yeah. guy too, so okay. what were they? I can show you. This was the uh, this is the little oh, yeah. that we had in in the back. We had a live auction, and you can see. There's a 79 Ford Bronco that, and then the, the 73 um, F-250 truck that have been both of them completely restored. But anyway, I donated those to AIS, American Indian Services, and we auctioned those off. Both of them we got about $120,000 um, Amazing for both of those vehicles which is going to provide a lot of scholarships for these natives. So, it's something that I really enjoy doing. Um, and this year's event was very successful. Uh, I, I love those cars, but I love people more. The cars can be replaced. They're just things. And um, it was time for them to go to another home and and to
1: help these kids. It was really, really a cool night. Oh, that is, that is special, man. That's really cool. And um, I got one last question here uh, before we jump into some more of the giving round stuff. But um, I read that um, you sit on the board of directors for uh, the... Uh, honoring heroes foundation. I don't know if you still are or not, but I was curious to know, like, what's it like sitting on the board of a, you know, big organization or foundation and what kind of input do you have as someone who's scaled a business very, you know, successfully and seen a lot of stuff in the corporate space. And, you know, you talked about going and speaking to fortune 500 companies and, and supporting them. What kind of skills can you bring to the nonprofit sector that you think are having an impact there?
0: Well, Honoring Heroes is really neat and that was something my father was involved in too and then he wasn't on the board but I was. it was an honor to be and I'm still on the board to be asked to be on the board of directors but Honoring Heroes is a really, really neat organization. In the past few years, the men and women of law enforcement have really, really taken a lot of uh, negative press. Um, You know, there's been a few instances where some men um, and women have, have not been the, the best at representing law enforcement. And so, I think a lot of people think, oh, you know, all, all men and women of law enforcement are that way and that is just not true. These people risk their lives for us, you know, and, and help um, get the bad guys off the street and it has been an honor to be part of that group. But I think, you know, just the experiences that I have that I can hopefully help um we do a we do one event a year called the howling memorial ride where we go on a motorcycle ride and it's the largest fundraiser for honoring heroes that i'm still a part of it's a one day event and it's amazing um we do a motorcycle ride through utah and the beautiful mountains of utah and we raise just tons of money for the men and women who have you know either been injured on the job or have been killed in the line of duty i remember one year um my gosh, these, these people don't make a lot of money, you know those that, the men and women that protect us. Um, and I remember one year we had an officer killed in Utah and their family, his family did not even have enough money to buy his burial plot. And so we were able to step in and pay for that burial plot, you know and, and honoring heroes. And to do things like that just brings you so much joy knowing that you're helping these families who, you know again their husband, their their, their wife, Whoever it is gave their life for us you know to protect us and so it's been it's been great and um, I'm just so happy to be part of it
2: that's really incredible and it speaks to me personally a little bit too because um, you know primarily my parents put when I was really young my stepdad was a 30 year vet with Victoria Police Department and I've heard a lot of these types of stories and, and Victoria is a unique space too with a lot of drama around um, like budget cuts for for police and, and you know, are, quote unquote, are they needed to the extent that they are? And I actually believe that they are because of the experiences that I've had all around the world, not even just, um, you know, in, in my house. Um, one of the things that I, that I do really frequently whenever I can now, when there's um, a police car that's parked on the side of the road, windows down kind of thing, I'll walk up to the window, you know, carefully. And- yeah um i want to say hey hey you know hey folks um i just wanted to take a second and just appreciate everything that you do because i don't think that they get that probably ever and this one guy got out of his car and came and gave me a hug because um it just spoke to him in that way and uh so i think that's a it's a great cause and i think you know randy and i aspire to be in that type of position as well where you know we can we can step up and and provide uh those little things that that families might not be able to, to do but means so much um, and I love the story of the Bronco my dad's uh crazy new Bronco nut so that speaks to me too but um, my favorite question I always get to ask uh, our guests here is one of your favorite moments of giving so something similar to that, that Bronco story that may not you know have a value of a couple hundred thousand dollars but is there a moment that you can think of where uh, it just really speaks to your heart every time you think about it
0: Yeah, great question. You know, I was speaking, uh, I think it was last year, I was speaking to a company and um, I have this little PowerPoint I go through and talk about, you know, giving your time, you know, your means and I get to this one part where I get real emotional and I was all choked up and uh, this was kind of a group of like industrial guys that were, you know, like burly guys and and uh, and I got teary and some guys got teary. And uh, this two people came up to me after this presentation. One, this lady came up to me in just tears and she said, my son was murdered and she said, your story just is incredible. And she goes, I want to buy a book. And I said, you're not buying a book. And I gave her this book and signed it to her son she would gave me a hug. She was so grateful, you know, just to get that book. And she said, Oh, I want to read this book. And she was just so emotional. And then another guy came up to me and big guy, you know, and he's dressed, you know, and got his safety vest on. And he said, I wanted to ask you a question, but I was so choked up I couldn't ask you. And and he came up and just expressed his gratitude, you know, and, and was in tears. But uh I gave him a book too. I, I just you know, just things like that where you know you're helping people make a difference in their lives and they're going through something. This poor lady had, you know, lost her son. Um, the police had he was doing something he shouldn't have done and the police shot him. And she was just so grateful to get this book, you know, that I signed to her and and just I mean, the lady never met her before, but hugging on me and kissing, you know, kissing me on the cheek and crying and My gosh, it's just fun to go around and talk to people about life and you know, just about my experiences and hopefully, it's making a difference um, in people's lives. I think just the little things like that, you know, Um, I uh, yeah, my dad and we've done big things too which have helped people but I mean, you think about it, my dad was a multi-multi-millionaire and when it would snow in Utah, he had this guy a little giant named Doc, they called him Doc my dad would take Doc and every time it snowed, my dad would go around and clear driveways of these widows in his neighborhood and he would go all night long, sometimes till midnight or one in the morning with Doc and Doc would run the snowblower, and my dad would run his snowplow. I mean, here's a guy that's super successful and he's cleaning people's driveways and, you know, their sidewalks and he just loved doing that. He and he would people would probably never knew that who did it, but He would do it in the middle of the night and they'd wake up the next day and their their roads were clear and that was the kind of dad I had. And then my mother, she, after my dad was passed, my mom would, every time before Christmas, my mom never had a driver's license. She would call me and she'd say, Douglas, come up to the house and she probably had 20 envelopes, my mom did, of these widows that were in the town that where she lived and had their name and address on it. I don't know how much money was in there, but she said... Take these to these women who are widows and wish them a Merry Christmas, but don't tell them who it's from. And I know some of them knew who I was and probably knew where the money came from, but those are the types of parents that I had that, you know, just thought about other people and were so loving and kind that, you know, that kind of affected my life. So,
1: ah. Uh, that is so special. It's got me like so warm and fuzzy inside because, um, so lucky to have parents that have supported you and, and, and brought you up in that. And you can see it just shines on you right now of just what you've been able to do to continue that legacy on. And uh, we're so lucky to have you here and share so many of these stories with us. Um, unfortunately, we can't keep you all day because we both have to get back to some stuff. But I would love to jump into our final round, which is the giving round, which is just some rapid fire questions, quick answers, and, uh, and ready to get going. So you, you fired up for them? You betcha. Let's do it. (laughs) Uh, What's your favorite thing about speaking to schools?
0: I think the thing that I really like is that a lot of these kids don't have the confidence and the self-belief. I think that just letting them know, hey, you're doing better than you think you are. You're actually pretty darn amazing. You're going to do great. And I always tell these kids you know what, find something that you really love and care about and you have passion about and do that because if you do that, you'll never work a day in your life and do it honestly and ethically and, you know, find something you really
2: care about and then do that for your work. Hell yeah, man. What would get you more excited, donating a $1 million check or spending a week physically helping others? Uh, you know, they're both kind of cool
0: but there's something about helping people. Um, One time my mom and dad, my dad retired from Little Giant and he went on a church mission to Germany. My dad goes, I got an assignment for you. So he took me to this rest home, kind of a care center, I think is what they call them now, assisted living and my dad's uncle was there. And growing up, my dad's uncle was really mean to my dad. And he ended up getting um, MS and couldn't walk and talk. And I didn't realize this, but here's a guy that was super mean to my dad growing up, a bully to my dad, his own brother. And my dad was going there every day and would visit his brother and wash his face and comb his hair and shave him and brush his teeth. Now, imagine doing this to your brother who was mean to you, right? My dad did this every day, would visit his brother, tell him how handsome he was and good-looking he was and take care of him. My dad says, while I'm gone for a year, I want you to take care of my brother. So I had to go do this and it was one of the most incredible things I've ever done because I knew he was mean to my dad. My dad told me the stories and here I was, I was like, I don't know if I want to do this but I promised my dad I would. By the time my dad came back, I had developed a love for my uncle, you know, and I'd cared about him and I think that was just incredible how I I transformed too into a more loving kind person and actually enjoyed going to see my uncle Floyd.
1: Very cool. Um, Other than I'll say your family, who inspires you with their giving?
0: Uh, You know, there's, I've read a lot of (laughs) different books. One of the people that I was really impressed with was a gentleman in Salt Lake City that's no longer alive but his company still is. It's uh, John M. Huntsman who uh, owned Huntsman Chemical Company and um, he was had cancer like four times and he built the John Huntsman Cancer Center there in, at Primary Children's Hospital in Salt Lake. One thing that was pretty impressive about him was is that him and his wife, he's got his book you can read about him and his wa- him and his wife decided right when they were married, we're going to be philanthropic, we're going to help people. And they made the decision right away when they were newly married and I'm sure they didn't have, you know, very much. But there's a really cool story in the book where Huntsman's, you know, they tell their CFO of their company, hey, this is how much money we're going to give to charity, this is what we're going to do. There comes a point in time when the company is not doing well and the CFO comes to John Huntsman and he says, hey, Mr. Huntsman, this month we cannot meet our obligations for these charities Um, and John Huntsman looks at the CFO and he goes, then you will go to the bank and you will borrow the money. Mm -hmm. And so, he had made this decision long ago that they were going to do it and even in the lean times, he borrowed the money. Again, the company is, is still going. It's a huge success, multi-billion dollar company. But for me, that really is integrity, right? When they make a decision and they get on hard times and they still do it. And so, John Huntsman Jr. Uh, was a really good example to me reading his story where he's even in tough times, he made the commitment with his wife and they kept those commitments and they were blessed and um, made it through those tough times but
2: still kept giving really love that story and that principle. What's one of the best ways that a company can increase or make their company culture better?
0: Well, again, I'll tell you a couple stories from my dad real quick because I know we're getting low on time. He was so good to his people. One time, an employee's wife had a stroke. Young couple, it was very rare, for someone this young, his wife had a stroke, she had little kids. My dad went to this person and said your family's more important than anything. You can take the time off of work to take care of your wife until she gets better and take help with your kids. You will get paid. We will keep paying you and you don't have to come to work and when you come back to work your job will still be there. Now, can you imagine if every company did that think about this person how when he came back to work which he did was paid fully for not being there but took care of his wife and kids his wife recovered she's still alive today he's still working at the company this guy knows how wing loves him right and he worked his butt off for how wing but that's one of the truly great stories of that i saw from my father where most companies would say hey i'm sorry we might give you a couple extra weeks of vacation or whatever you're going to have to deal with this on your own not howling he said your job's secure i'm going to pay you stay home take care of your wife another time we had a a, a gentleman that got into financial situation that wasn't the best he made poor financial decisions we're sitting in a management meeting myself my brother Ryan Moss my dad walks into the company into our office and just says, hey, what's going on? You know, what are you guys doing? And we said, oh, we've got this employee. He made some really dumb decisions. He's about ready to lose his house. And, um, but we don't, there's nothing we can do about it. We feel so bad. And my dad said, well, wait a minute. Doesn't this guy get quarterly bonuses? We're like, yes, he gets quarterly bonuses. And he goes, he's a great employee. Has he been hitting his, his quarterly bonuses? Oh, every time. My dad looked at us and said, Give him the money to keep his house, he'll pay us back. We did that. He hit all his bonuses, he paid us back. He still works at Little Giant to this day. I'm telling you, that guy will never go work anywhere else. <laughs> no doubt. Mm-hmm. So those types of things don't happen in other companies, but they happen to Little Giant because of how we
1: very impressive. Um What is the first thing you think of when you hear go big to give big? Well,
0: you know, you don't have to have a lot of money to give big, but for those who have been successful, um, you know, you have the opportunity to do so. Um, You can still give big with service and with just helping people One thing that Halloween was really good about, if you want to help people, you have to have your eyes have to be open and my dad had the ability, I think he took the time every day to look for opportunities to help people. You know, most people are so busy today, they're like, I got to go here, I got to run this there, and I got to go over here and do that. My dad had this guy that worked for him and all he did was help people. My dad would call him and he says, I remember the first time I got a job with your dad and he goes, all I did was go meet him at places and so he said the very first time he called me up and said Steve meet me at this address in 20 minutes he said I showed up in front of a guy's house there was your dad and here's how Hal Wing taught this employee he said Steve take a look at this guy's house what do you see and he goes oh I see his house I see you know and he goes no look look deeper what do you see you see anything and he's like honestly Hal I I can't I can't think of anything and my dad drove by this guy's house must have driven by his house every day for several you know times and he says steve look at this guy's roof his roof is probably leaking he needs a new roof and he says i want you to knock on his door and tell him that somebody not me somebody wants to put a new roof on his house we're going to take care of it and my dad leaves now Steve, this guy, Steve said, I sat in front of this guy's house for 20 minutes. I was so scared to knock on his door. He's going to think I'm crazy. So, finally, I ring the guy's doorbell. He comes to the door and he goes, yeah, what do you want? And he says, well, I know you're not going to believe this, but somebody, and I can't tell you who, wants to give you a new roof. And the guy says, is this a joke? And he says, no, it's not a joke. He says, there's a guy. He knows you need a new roof. He wants to replace it. He's going to pay for it. And the guy says, okay. So they took care of it. They replaced this guy's roof. Now, that's the kind of guy that Wing was. He had eyes to see. And another thing that people don't know about my dad was he was a very gifted musician. He played the trumpet. He played the piano. He played the harmonica. He sang. My dad, who was super successful, would go into these assisted living places. Nobody knew about it. And he would go and perform and sing for people with Alzheimer's and people that couldn't get out for an hour and entertain them. Here was a guy that was super successful, multi-millionaire and he would go out in these areas and sing for people and make them feel good. That's the kind of guy the Howing was. So he looked for opportunities to help people and I think if everybody went around and looked for people to serve and help, just think about what this world would be like.
2: Amen, my friend. Yeah, what an inspiration. Doug, uh, in one word, describe the feeling you get when you give. Oh, I would
0: have to say joy, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been successful in life. I've been all over the world. I've done a lot of things and, and had so many blessings, but when we give back, when we give up our means, our time, our talents, our service, help people, whether it's money or or just go visit people in a hospital, you know, they're sick. Um we have joy. And Absolutely. Some, and I mean real joy. Yeah.
1: That's amazing. The final question we got for you today, Doug, before we send you off. Do you believe that money can buy you happiness? No. <laughs> I have I I know a lot of people who are wealthy and who are not happy. Um,
0: you know, does money make life easier? Yeah, sometimes, yeah. But with with that responsibility, there's also challenges as well. But no, I don't think so. I think that I, I, you know what most of the people that, I, that are my friends are not millionaires and billionaires. They're just average people, um, and uh, you know, as far as money goes, um, they're wonderful humans. And um, I, again, no, I would
1: say no. Money is is not does not make you happy. Very cool. Doug, it has been such a pleasure having you come in today. And your whole family embodies the Go Big to Give Big mission. And I want to give you a second now to brag. How can people that are listening to this get more involved in you, check out some of your books or reach out and hear some more stories that you've been able to share over the years? Um, how can they get in touch with you?
0: Yeah, they can just get on to um, com and reach me through there. Uh, you know, you can look at my books there. You can reach out to me if you want me to come, you know, and speak at a school. I really love doing schools. I mean, I, I again, um, I do this for free. Um, you know, I, I, I just love working with the young young people and trying to help them, you know, to get the confidence they need to be successful. But yeah, DougWing.com,
1: reach out to me I'd be glad to help any way I can. Amazing, Doug. Well, thank you so much for coming in today. Uh, I'm leaving my heart is so full right now listening to some of these stories and very inspired. So thank you again for coming in and uh, excited to watch where your journey takes you over the years. Randy, Steve, I'm so grateful for you. Thank you for the time. Thanks for what you do, Doug. Thank you for listening to the show. If you know someone who's an example of go big to get big, we would love if you could share this with them. We want to get our message out to as many listeners as we can. And it all starts by having people like you share it with your friends. Also, if you enjoyed the show, take 30 seconds and give us a five-star review. It's a simple act of giving that is free for you, helps us grow our message, and in return, allows others to find us sooner. And until the next episode, remember, always go bigger with your dreams and goals so you can give bigger with your profit.